I went on in the DR here uh, through this church, but it is always one of the most amazing experiences to me to experience what God is doing over there uh, on a daily basis. And uh, this morning we want to kind of reflect. I want to kind of help you reflect not only on that trip, but what God is doing. So this morning we're going to have kind of a little missions conference, if you will, uh, while we're here. I'm not the missionary from way over there coming and sharing, you know, tribal stories, but the message that we have is missions. Now, if I, and, and I want you to respond here, when I say the word missions, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Really loud. Outreach. Going somewhere else. Health. Help. Health. <laughs> Reaching others for Jesus, the gospel message. What was the other one? Praying. Praying. Anyone else? Support. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. That was one from the, this morning, uh, from the earlier service. You know, no one mentioned scary. No one mentioned not for me. You probably figured out in this crowd you just need to keep those thoughts to yourself. But no doubt that comes through our minds too. The missionary is not what I do. Missionary is what they do over there. But when I say the, the word missions, different things come into my mind. We are the Christian and Missionary Alliance. That's our denomination. We've shortened it to Community Alliance Church. If we shared our full name, we'd be Community Christian and Missionary Alliance Church. That's just too big of a mouthful. But missionary, some have said, is our middle name. I don't know about you, but middle names seem unnecessary to me. Unless you have one of those first names that you don't like, so you go by your middle name. I had my best friend growing up, his name was Kent, and I don't know how many years I knew him before I realized or found out that his real first name was Larry, named after his dad, and he just went by Kent. I think for them, they did it to distinguish the two. I thought, well, why didn't you just name him Kent Larry instead of Larry Kent? And then he could have... Middle names don't seem to have a whole lot of use. Even on forms, when we fill out forms, they want your first full name, given name, your last name, and your what? Middle initial. They don't care what your middle name is either. But we are the Christian and Missionary Alliance, and we must never, ever forget what our middle name is, and the significance that it brings. As the CMA, C&MA, we are missionary. This morning, I need you to take your Bible, and I need you to take this blue insert that says, Give, Serve, and Pray. Keep those handy. Because when I think of missions... I think of three words, and I want to share those three words with you. The three words are give, serve, and pray. And we're going to look at those this morning. That I want you, when someone mentions the word missions, or missionary, or mission field, I want these three words to pop right to the forefront of your conversation. Give, serve, pray. The first one is give, 2 Corinthians. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8.
2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God granted to the churches of Macedonia. During a severe testing by affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed into the wealth of their generosity. I testify that on their own, according to their ability and beyond their ability, they begged us insistently for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. And not just as we had hoped. Instead, they gave themselves especially to the Lord, then to us by God's will. So we urged Titus that just as he had begun, so he should also complete this grace to you. Now, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, excel also in this grace. The church in Jerusalem was under some sort of crisis, financial crisis. They, in all of the, the area churches around, other nations, other cultures, were, the, the, the Christian churches were taking up an offering in order to send it to Jerusalem to help them uh, in this time of crisis. And Paul was instructing the Corinthian church to do, as, to do this as well, to take up this collection and, and to do it in the right attitude, that they were to give not just to their local church, but they were to give for the church that was operating in another culture, in another country. Paul challenged the Corinthians using the story of the Macedonians. The Macedonians, we, Paul says, notice that, that they were giving not out of their wealth, but out of their poverty. Their affliction, he even says deep poverty. They were the poorest of the poor. The, the financial strain that the Macedonian church was under was extreme. They were in a war-torn area. Nobody had money. Nobody had any kind of source of income. They were scraping daily just to get by, and yet their attitude was, we need to give and help. God is calling us to give. It, it says in verse 3 that they begged to give. Please let us give. Please take our money. Have you ever felt like that towards the church? Please, take my money. Take more. It says they were insistent. They were persuasive for the privilege. They considered being able to give to the Jerusalem church, to give to, to Paul, or, or here in this case, Titus was going around and gathering it up. They considered it an extreme privilege. It brought them joy and pleasure to be able to give extra to give beyond their means to help this other church, to help this other uh, this church in Jerusalem, to share in the ministry of the saints, to share in what was going on there. They begged for the joy and the pleasure that it brings to partner with and share through this gift with the ministries of those who, by the command of God, were taking the gospel into another region. Verse 7 Paul says, now as you excel in everything, in the Corinthian church, if you compare 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, they weren't excelling in a whole lot. There was, they were a troubled church. But Paul wrote, and apparently they took to heart what he had said, and they had changed a lot of their ways. And now he's saying, you excel in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us. Now also excel in this. Excel in this ability to give, uh, to share the gospel in other, in other places, in other regions. 
He said, you know, because you can, you can have a lot of things right. You can, you can excel in worship. You can excel in children's ministry, excel in youth ministry, excel in small groups, excel in discipleship, but excel in this too. This is just as important, if not more important in Paul's mind. To excel in the grace of giving to reach the others around the world. Now here is how that applies to us today. Right where we are. As part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance, our headquarters, our denominational headquarters, is located in Colorado Springs. Colorado Springs has established what they call a Great Commission Fund. It's been around for years. Uh, for many, it's one of the best kept secrets of the Alliance. But this Great Commission Fund is the fund that, that, that we give to, that, that we take collection for, that, that we uh, provide uh, finances to that then they disperse out to all of the missionaries around to help fund them, to support them. It finances, this one fund finances the worldwide ministry of the Christian Missionary Alliance. That all of our missionaries draw their support and their resources from the Great Commission Fund. And that Great Commission Fund only has one revenue stream. You know what that is? You and me. That's it. That our alliance churches take up collections, that we, that we take up part of our offering is, is designated to the Great Commission Fund. And whatever you designate to that fund goes to them. If you don't designate anything, then nothing goes to them. That we have to give not only to the local church, but we have to give to this worldwide ministry in order that the gospel may present, be presented to all cultures everywhere. Anyone want to take a guess at what the annual budget for the Great Commission Fund is? We have 685 missionaries serving in 64 different countries that you and I support. We support through giving to this fund. That six, 685 international worker families, okay, that's just, that's husband, wife, and three or four kids. In 64 different countries, the annual budget for the GCF is $28.5 million a year. That's what it takes to keep them on the field. That's what it takes to get them the resources that they need in order to operate their ministries. That's not just salary and health care, but that's the expenses of running their ministry. Because you and I give to the Great Commission Fund every four minutes, Someone prays to receive Christ through the worldwide outreach of Alliance Ministries. Every four minutes. We've been in here for 15, I don't know, I can't do the math. I could do it at 9 because that was easy. 1045, 20, I don't know how many, but let's just, somewhere around 8 or 9 people, since we have been here, have prayed to receive Christ. Somewhere in the world, through Alliance Ministries. Every hour, three patients, many of them ravaged by AIDS, receive physical and spiritual care through CNMA medical work. You see, we sponsor hospitals as well all around the world. That's part of the Great Commission Fund. Every day, 43 radio broadcasts, people who have had no gospel witness hear the good news. 3,000 new believers are baptized every week. 253 churches join the Worldwide Alliance family every month. Every month we start 253 new preaching points around the world. 
Every year, nearly 10,000 students are trained and equipped for ministry through 125 overseas alliance schools. We operate 125 training institutions around the world to train up new pastors, to train up new church leaders. But without the Great Commission Fund, none of that happens. If you and I don't continue to give, if you and I don't start giving, none of that will happen. It's the only source. Last year, we, Community Alliance Church, gave $313,000 to the Great Commission Fund. And that's incredible. Every year, annually, we always are in the top 10% of, of Alliance churches uh, in the United States giving to the Great Commission Fund. We're always in one of, the, one of the top 10% in giving. And I'm a person that says, that's great. We need to celebrate that. What can we do more? How can we make that better? How can we, how can we do that different? How can, we, how can we maybe instead of 313,000, maybe it can be 400,000 or 450,000 or half a million? What if our church gave half a million dollars to missions? Because if we increased it 180,000, that's like three more missionary families that are on the field. That's three more preaching points that we're taking care of locally right here. I asked our accountant, I said, how many giving units? Just how many different people, how many different giving units do we have in the church? She came back and said, 808. 808 individuals, families, however that breaks down, I don't exactly know what a unit is, but 808 giving units gave something to our church last year. I said, how many giving units do we have to the Great Commission Fund? How many of those 808 give to the worldwide ministry of the Christian Missionary Alliance? She said, 322. I said, that's phenomenal. That 322 people are giving regularly or or maybe one-time gifts or something, but they were involved in this worldwide outreach ministry. And then my mind started working and started doing the math. And I said, there's 400 people that didn't give anything last year. There's 400 people that, that, ha- that God ha- hasn't tapped into that, that maybe that's where we get the other 180,000. Could we possibly have 400 people next year? That when, that when I go and I ask how, how many giving units, and she tells me, and then I say, how many gave to the Great Commission Fund, that maybe that's 400, and maybe 313,000 goes to half a million this year that we give? Four years ago, we gave over 400000 to the Great Commission Fund, and then we started this building. And we knew it was going to take a hit. But it's time we got back on it. It's time we got back in that missions game and that we, that, that we began giving again. Maybe giving for the first time. Maybe you're one of the ones that you've never given. Maybe you didn't know it even existed. But God has called us to give to missions. That, that we need to support the worldwide outreach, that we need to make sure that the missionaries are on the field, being taken care of on the field, can stay on the field. Because a lot of times when there's budget cuts, when we don't meet the 28 and a half million, people get sent home. People's salary gets cut. People don't get sent to those other places that they want to send missionaries to. Without everyone regularly giving to the Great Commission Fund, We can't support a worldwide mission organization. It shrinks rather than grows. 
I want to challenge you this morning that if you have not or do not regularly give to support the Great Commission, that you prayerfully consider how you might do that now. And this is over and above and beyond. I mean, that's the Macedonian church. It was above and beyond what they already give to the local church. I'm not asking you to say, okay, I give $100 a week to the local church. I'm going to give 75 to local church and 25 to missions. No, I'm not asking you to do that. I'm going over and above what you already give to the local church. How is God, how would God direct you? How would God call you to give to missions? On a regular basis, there's a couple things I want to draw your attention to. Out on the table to the left of these back doors is what's called the GCF brochure. I want you to look at that. If you've never heard of what the Great Commission Fund is, there's a lot of great information in here on just exactly what it does, what it accomplishes, how you can give to it on a regular basis. Um, and, and it's great information as well as a passion for Jesus. This is a booklet that really breaks down what the Alliance is doing overseas. And I can't imagine after reading this that you say, yeah, not interested. Because when you find out all of the things that God is doing in 64 different countries through 685 different missionaries, that, that you just, when, you, where when your heart goes there, what does God say? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And that as soon as your heart gets latched onto missions and what God is doing around the world, your, your treasure is going to follow. So I want to encourage you to allow God to challenge your heart for missions and what you give. Prayerfully consider what your level of involvement might be and begin giving. Be one of those 80 first-time givers this year. Never gave before, going to start right now. Now, we also have some instant opportunities for you to give. Uh, things that just one time, they come in from time to time, and this church is phenomenal at taking those up like we did with the baby bottles. That was incredible how we respond to that. We have three things right now that I'm going to throw out to you that you can in, get involved in giving uh, that will support missions, support the worldwide ministry. If you would like to join other Alliance families in sending support to Japan for the devastation that they have been facing over the last few weeks. We have several missionaries in Japan, several Alliance churches that are there. And the missionaries, as, as last we heard, are all safe. Um, and, but they now have an incredible job to do. And there's a lot of relief work that needs to be done. That the Christian Missionary Alliance, and I think it's in your bulletin where you can go if you would like to give, read through your bulletin, uh, that you'll have an opportunity to give to, to, to help the relief uh, part of the alliance, what the alliance are doing uh, in Japan. And that's number one. Number two, we have missionaries Mike and Ruth Ann Davis. Mike and Ruth Ann Davis have been missionaries, career missionaries in Brazil uh, for their entire career. Uh, for several years, they have been in Brazil. Um, as, as we would hope, when uh, fields become, when, when they become healthy and mature and they reach the multitudes and the church begins to grow and they raise up new leaders within the church, that the missionaries really work themselves out of a job. And they're beginning to turn different mission fields over to national churches. And I think Brazil is somewhere in that process of being turned over to the national church to where missionaries aren't needed there anymore. And so Mike and Ruth Ann Davis are moving from Brazil to Portugal to start over. And they have a lot of expenses that, that, are going, that they're going to occur in that move. If you would like to give to them, there's a, a table out here, big suitcase. 
Um, and simply, we're just taking an offering. You can write a check, you can throw cash in, whatever. All that will be collected and sent to the national office for the Davises to use in their, in their move. That's number two. Number three, as I and 12 others went to the Dominican in February, we have a group of youth that are going. Uh, Bill Opperman and, and his uh, adult helpers are taking 34 of our kids to the Dominican. We go every three years down there um, to do uh, work projects and things like that. This group's going to be a little different in that they're actually going to be working side-by-side with the uh, youth group of the Dominican church there and doing evangelism and outreach and training and things like that. We have nine adults that are giving up their time, their vacation time, their energy. Uh, They are more than willing to give up that time and travel with these kids that these kids might have that kind of an experience. I'm a firm believer that when an adult gives up their vacation time, I want to help pay their way. I don't want to make them give up their time and their money. So we're asking you if you would be willing to help sponsor these nine adults. You can just simply mark it on an offering envelope, mark, you know, Dominican youth trip adults, mark it some way that way uh, that we know that it goes to help those adults and we can get those nine adults uh, to go with our kids. It's an incredible experience. Uh, They're going to be going to pretty much kind of the same place. They're staying in the same place that we stayed in and uh, I just know that it's going to be a great experience for them. So those are just three opportunities right now that you can help with and, uh, and, and join in what God is doing right here, right now. Um, and then the challenge is, what will you do long term? What will you do beyond today? Because the first word is give. The second word is serve. Give, serve. Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And as he met with these 120 or so disciples that were there, that he had at that time, and he was getting ready to depart and leave this earth and go back to heaven, in Acts chapter 1, he tells them this just before ascending to heaven. He says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, 18, 19, and 20 is the Great Commission. And in that, Jesus commands us to make disciples. That Jesus told those 120 or so that, that, that when he was gone, those last words to them were that you were going to make disciples. You're going to be his witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That means where you are to be personally involved in making disciples, where you are sitting right now, your Jerusalem, and all points between here and the other side of the world, you're to have an involvement. You're to have an invested interest. You are to be personally involved in making disciples to the ends of the earth, starting with where you are right now. So God has called us to serve the mission field, to give, and I say to go. It is my firm belief that every believer should experience life on the mission field at least one time. And I guarantee you, if you go one time, you're going to want to go again. You're going to want to go again. Bob, how many have you been on? 
about a dozen. Okay, and he spent four years in Bolivia. You'd think he'd have gotten enough of it then. No, he wants to keep going back. We have other repeat offenders that have gone time and time again. Ricky Ewell, I don't know how many he's been on. Eight. I've been on four, one with this church, three with other churches. When you go, it gets in your blood, it gets in your system, and we've been commanded to go. And I I believe every person needs to go. Because there's three things that we accomplish on a mission field that you can't accomplish sitting in that seat. One is you're going to encourage the missionaries. You're going to encourage them like you've never encouraged them before because the support that they receive when a group from the States comes down and gets involved in what they're doing is tremendous. That when there's a group of people that are willing to give up time and and money and, and resources and come down and work right alongside them, that's an encouragement to them. They love it when groups come and and get involved in their ministry, when they can take them around and show them what God is doing. You can't do that here. We we also, when we're there, we build up the local church because we always attach our our trip to, to some local church, some project that's going on there. This year it was the San Francisco church that you partner with a specific church to help them physically, usually through a, through a building project. We laid a lot of block. We built a lot of walls. We, we did it so fast, in fact, that they, we, we laid more block than they could, uh, could handle, and they had to go out Tuesday or Wednesday halfway through the week and order more block, and we laid all that block too. And that was an incredible encouragement to them that, that this group who they didn't know came from they don't know where, we told them Pittsburgh, we told them Butler, we told them Pennsylvania. They had a rough idea. They didn't know where exactly we lived. Any more than when I say La Vega, Dominican Republic, you know where they live. But the encouragement that they received when this group comes and, and builds their church, and not just builds it for them, but builds it with them, this was incredible because this church came out in groves. They had 10 or 15 people there every day that were working right alongside, that were digging and moving dirt digging holes, making mortar, moving. I mean, they worked right alongside of us. And we think, well, culture barrier, language barrier, it kind of disappeared by the end of the week. Phenomenal of being able to encourage the missionaries and being able to build up the local church. And then it provides a unique way for God to impact you. We want to do these trips because it impacts our own people. God can speak to us in new ways when we are not in our own culture. That ways that we, we kind of, we get trapped into our, our system here, our daily routine. But when you pluck a person out of their daily routine, plop them into a culture they know very little about, that seems weird, that seems different, that seems a little odd, into a language that they can't understand. You know the one voice they hear more than any other? God. You can hear God better on a mission field than you can right here. I'm convinced of that, which is why I think everyone needs to go and listen. Because he's the one thing you are listening to. He's the one thing you are listening for, that God, we we learn things about God. We learn things about ourselves. We learn things about the world that we can't learn in Butler. I've never gone on a trip where I felt like the impact I had on them was more than the impact they had on me. I always left convinced I was more impacted than they were by my presence. 
A short-term missions trip is just one more thing God wants to use to conform you to the image of his son. People are changed. Listen to this story. I decided to go on this trip because in high school, I missed my opportunity. Uh, You know, in high school, it's always friends, peer pressure, things like that. You know, you just, you don't want to go without that familiarity of something. In December, my aunt asked me to go and um, I debated it and the more I thought about it, well, I was, I have been saving for this trip all along, but I really didn't have the money saved up at that point. By that time, I had another obstacle of work. And from work, I wasn't sure if I was able to get off because I'd already taken my vacation that previous year for to study for my boards. I was able to get another vacation. Then I knew at that point I was specifically able to go to the Dominican. That was when I knew um, God was calling me to go. And my definite answer of yes. arrived in the Dominican I was very I was very timid and I didn't really know how to react because I left you know yeah I had my aunt there who was family which was a nice comfort but I still didn't feel comfortable on a spiritual level I was shy because I didn't really feel like I was supposed to be there at the same time even though I was called to go I just throughout the entire year I was hiding in all my emotions and I didn't really know what to say or you know how to even contact God. I mean, I knew you could pray and I knew I like I tried to do my devotions, but I just didn't, you know, feel like he was really there and really drove my heart away from God and, you know, started to build that wall thicker. That wall was just so thick that, you know, I didn't know where to go. It was just that I needed something bigger. Next to the last night, um, we all had our prayer devotional time, and everyone there usually, during prayer requests, always asks for family or friends or something. I was so shy and so, you know, timid that I was just constantly thinking about and all my emotions and everything and how to, you know, go about asking for this because it was just constantly battling. I had wanted Becky to pray for me. So the night she started praying for me after I asked for that prayer was just like a sound of comfort and I knew that God was there just talking to me through her. The wall that I had built of pride and just uh, selfishness or just, you know, my division from God, you know, he broke that and I knew at that point that God had changed my life again. From previous devotion times when I was closer to God, um, before I had driven myself to that point where that wall was hanging up, I had a quote on my wall that says, um, faith and complete dependence on God are to proceed obedience. And I always understood that that was true. But now that I've been on this trip and I see 
how God has changed my life and how that wall is not there. I definitely uh, have put more faith and dependence, and which has led to surrendering and giving my whole heart to God. Obviously, I've learned from experience that if you have that wall, it's not healthy. It's something that definitely needs to go because it keeps you from not only relationships, but also from God. So if, you're, if you feel like that wall is there, then you obviously should listen to your heart because God definitely puts a call on your heart to go. Just ask for prayer from one of the pastors or something that can just, you know, make you realize that, you know, God is the only thing that can change. He's the only one that opens your eyes and your heart to anything. I'm Megan Minto, and this is my story. So what's yours? There are countless opportunities for you to go. On that resource guide, there's a website that you can go to within the Christian Missionary Alliance. They talk about short-term trips. They talk about long-term trips. They talk about stateside. They talk about overseas. And I think Megan said it better than any of us. What's your story? How will you go? How will you serve? How will you get involved in missions? Have you ever thought about teaching school in an English-speaking international school? Can't find a teaching job here? They're begging over there. How about being a dorm parent, just discipling, caring, and loving on missionary kids? Taking care of the guest house, showing hospitality to work groups and, and dignitaries that come through. Commit for a year. Business managers, secretaries, bookkeepers, teaching English as a second language. If you have a skill, they can use it. Short term, long term. Just going and let God speak to you like he did Missy. I guess I really never thought about other countries worshiping. When I was down there in the, the Dominican, I really didn't think the one thing that would impact me was going to the worship service and hearing them sing the same exact songs we did. Walking into the service as they were singing and me knowing the song, which was Trading My Sorrows, was absolutely amazing. Watching them lift their hands, just like we do, close their eyes and dance around, worshiping the same God we do, was just, I couldn't help myself but start crying. sticking out to me now is 1 Chronicles 16, 23 through 24. 
Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous work among all the peoples. God wants to impact your life. God wants to change your life. And sometimes God can only do it when we're not here. We need to serve. We need to get involved physically with missions and go. Third thing we need to do is pray. We need to give, we need to serve, we need to pray. Ephesians chapter 6 says, and Paul tells the Ephesians church, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make them known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul, the missionary currently in prison, was asking the Ephesians to pray for him as he continues to preach to the Romans. Continue to preach, continue to pray while I am continuing to share the gospel with other nations, with other cultures. He was an ambassador for Christ. Prayer is so important to the work on the mission field. I I think this is probably the hardest of the three words for us to do. This will be the hardest thing for you to get involved in. Giving is probably the the easiest. Write a check. That's all you got to do. Serving is fun. There's excitement. There's, there's nervous anxiety of traveling to a foreign field and working hard and, and the joy and the, the, the memories that you create. That's just great to get involved in. Prayer is hard work. You have to invest time. You have to think. You have to investigate what is happening and how to pray and then, and then get involved in the missionary's work. You, it's a commitment to pray for missionaries. Prayer prayer is a commitment that you need to stay in touch with the missionaries. You're going to be emailing back and forth with missionaries. Prayer is the one work that Satan cannot fight against. It's a direct line between you and God, and Satan can't break in and disrupt that. The only recourse Satan has is if he can get you not to pray at all. If he can get you to not pray for the missionaries, then he can remove some of the effort, some of the energy that is happening on the mission field. Then, then he is a little stronger in, in his opposition to the gospel going to the ends of the earth. If he can get you not to pray. It's the only way Satan wins this fight is if we just don't show up to pray. Because prayer is the power of God for missionaries. Your prayers keep them safe and effective on the mission field in dangerous countries. Your prayers bring power to their words and salvation to remote villages. Your prayers enable them to live in large metropolitan cities and and reach the lost in day-to-day evangelism. Your prayers provides them with things that we so many times just take for granted. Your prayers make the difference in the ends of the earth. Listen to Bruce Beers, missionary to Ecuador, as he shares what prayer means to him 
as a missionary. My name is Bruce Beers, and I've been serving in Ecuador since 1989 with my wife Stephanie, and we have two children, Brian and Elizabeth. One of the things that we've discovered in our ministry is that as you pray, we experience God's protection. One experience that we had was when we were living in Quito, actually, and Stephanie was pregnant with Elizabeth. Two weeks before her due date, we went for an appointment. Uh, one thing the doctor said before we left that day was that if you have a headache that, that won't go away, call me right away. She woke up in the morning with a headache. So we called him and he said, well, actually I'm on my way out the door right now to go to a wedding, but go to the emergency room and have them check you there and I will be there in a little while. And uh, then the intern that was there checked her um, uh, blood pressure. He, uh, he lost all composure. He started shouting at the nurses there. He pushed me out of the room. Within about 20 minutes, her doctor arrived. And so he finally said, we're just, we're gonna have to have a, an emergency C-section. They wouldn't let me in. I was seated outside the door of the operating room and I could hear the doctor telling jokes to break the tension. The doctor came out afterwards and uh, he had blood on his face. He said, I was convinced the whole time I was operating, I was thinking, how am I going to tell Mr. Beers that his wife and, and his daughter are dead? He said, this is the most difficult case that I have ever had in nine years of practicing medicine, uh, and I have no explanation for why you are alive today. So he said, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Uh, keep talking to the man upstairs because it's working. <laughs> the thing that we didn't know uh, was that during those moments when Steph was alone in the uh, emergency room, with the intern shouting orders at the nurses, with all the chaos and confusion. That was about 12 o'clock on that Saturday. And little did we know, we discovered several months later that uh, a dear friend of ours, Elsie Edgren in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, uh, right at that moment, right at 12 o'clock noon, they were sitting down to eat lunch, she and her husband Roy and, and their son Steve. And they have above their, their kitchen um, table, they have a bulletin board with prayer cards. And as they sat down at 12 noon on that Saturday, our prayer card fell off that bulletin board and somersaulted onto their table face up and Elsie knew that Steph was two weeks away from, from her due date and she said, Steph's having her baby, we need to pray. And so Elsie and, and her husband Roy and Steve, they prayed at 12 o'clock noon on that day for us and at the moment when we needed it the most and when Steph was, was uh, feeling the most alone that she has ever felt in her life. And, you know, there was no way that we could communicate. I had no time to, to call the field chairman and say, hey, you know, pray for us. Steph is in, in uh, uh, an emergency C-section. Uh, you know, we just had no time to communicate, but God knew. <laughs> and uh, Elsie and Roy, uh, they were praying. And, and there was a happy ending to that story because uh, you prayed. And so those are the kinds of things that God does uh, when you pray for us. We experience God's protection. Well, because you prayed, uh, actually my wife and my child are alive today, and uh, an unbelieving doctor also saw God's hand powerfully at work. So thank you so much for your prayer support. Uh, your prayers really are the key to our ministry, so thank you so much for supporting us in that way. Maybe you came in this morning and you'd been thinking that missionary is what someone else does, what somebody else is involved in, what somebody else is giving their life to. But we are all called to the Great Commission. 
And if God is not calling you to go and be a career missionary, then the call he has placed on your life is one to give. To regularly support those that are there. It's a call to serve. To go short term and work alongside those career missionaries and national churches. To put yourself physically out there. And it's a call to pray. Not just blanket, generic prayers be with our missionaries. But it's a call to get involved. It's a call to commit yourself to to the Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, to the missionaries that are there, to use those prayer cards. What will you do this morning? What's the call that God is asking? How will you follow him? Is he asking you to give, to be one of the first, one of the ones who give for the first time this year? Is he asking you to, to serve, to, to find out, talk to Bob when the next, when the next group is, when the, when's the next trip going, I, I got to be on it? Or is he calling you to pray? To come alongside a few missionaries and earnestly pray for the ministry they're doing. We're going to play a song and show some pictures of, of the Dominican trip. And I want you to, to reflect on give, serve, and pray. And what is God calling you to do?
Father, you have placed the missionary call upon every one of us. Father, some to go for a lifetime. Father, you have placed the call upon some to excel in the grace of giving. Lord, I pray for those that are here this morning, that that's the call you're placing upon them that they would hear. Father, that you would place the call and the courage to go and serve alongside. Father, that you would raise our commitment of time and energy into the call to pray that your gospel would reach the ends of the earth, that there are still places that have not heard. Father, would you raise up missionaries from within us, from within this group, that may go to those unreached people, Father, this morning, do not let us leave here uncalled. Father, touch us. Lay it upon our heart. Where, when, how. That we might rejoice in heaven one day with all nations, tribes, tongues, languages, cultures and sing praises and glory to you. One God, one Savior, one Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.